Join me as we skip to the end of a book. Not the ending of the story, but further in the back, almost by the back cover. The Acknowledgements. I've always been fascinated by the acknowledgements and find myself asking questions I wish I had the answers to. Are the people they thanked still in their lives? Do they regret not including someone? What's the meaning behind this inside joke or story? Well, now I finally get the answers to my questions. In this podcast, I'll talk to the authors and explore the acknowledgements. So flip to the back of the book with me and let's start there. Hey, I am so happy today to welcome Kristen Contino to the acknowledgements. Hi, Kristen. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you and talk about your book, House Full of Windsor, and get to know you better. So for A House Full of Windsor, I love this review, the Kirkus review. I have to read that first. A spectacular and addictive family tale that's equal parts charm and depth. There's plenty of genuine humor in the story, not to mention an abundance of love. And I love that description of it. And would love if you could give us a premise of the book. Of course. So the book spans from the royal wedding of Princess Diana and Prince Charles in the 1980s to the present day. And it follows a mother-daughter pair, Debbie and Sarah. And it's told from both of their points of view and how Debbie, who is a compulsive hoarder of royal family memorabilia, ends up on a hoarding reality show with Sarah, who is a big TV etiquette expert and morning show host, and how it turns both of their lives upside down. Perfect, perfect premise of the book. And I have so many questions. And I want to start off with, like, even reading your bio, it's clear that you have an interest in the royal family and happenings. So I can see where that was an influence of this book. But I'd love to hear how that became an interest for you. So growing up, my mom was super into Princess Diana, like I'm sure many people her age at the time and, you know, watching the royal wedding and all of that. So when I grew up, you know, my mom and my grandmother both were interested in the royals. And so I just kind of was by default, I suppose. But I didn't, I think, as an adult, really take as much interest until um, Will and Kate got engaged in 2011, or married in 2011, I should say. And I started following her style in particular because I just really liked the way she dressed and presented herself. And I started following them much more closely and in turn the rest of the royal family. And I had always, you know, like been a Diana fan and interested in it, but it was more of a passing interest. And then I started uh, my own royal fashion blog right before Harry and Meghan got married, actually. But I had been writing, you know, for fun, kind of, about the royals and ended up writing for a royal news website for several years. And when I wrote A House Full of Windsor, I didn't have my current job, but I write about um, royal style and celebrity style for page six. So uh, yeah, I kind of now professionally stalk Kate Middleton's clothes. <laughs> Which is feels like you yeah. ended, you ended up in like the right day job. It seems yes. like. <laughs> I love that. And, and actually, is it your sister's name is actually Diana? Yeah, my sister is named after Princess Diana. So love it. No, my mom was very into Diana. <laughs> And actually what you, you say, even in your acknowledgments, quick little transition into the acknowledgments, 
You said, thanks to my mom and mom mom, whose love for the royal family and reading helped to shape my interests and career, royal collector plates and all. So tell me about, you know, you've, you've shared how your mom and is mom mom grandmother? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, about their influence for your interest in the royal family. But what about their influence and your love of reading? So when I was little, I was always reading and I was always writing. I would write stories. You know, I was maybe like seven or eight years old. I would write little fiction stories and they would always encourage me to do that and, you know, reading them. And especially, you know, remember reading with my grandmother at bedtime and things like that. So we lived with my grandparents growing up and they just, you know, were always buying me books and just kind of encouraging that interest. So I think... You know, they definitely played a part in that and, you know, other family members buying me books all the time. And I had so many books and I was the kid who was inside reading when my sister was outside playing. Like I was definitely that kid. And in reading your bio, um, one of the things I was reading and I loved it that you've been writing stories for as long as you remember. And what were the topic of those stories when you were so young? Oh my gosh, I was obsessed with teenagers. I don't know why I thought like being a teen, probably like 90210 uh, influenced that, but I thought being a teenager or like high school was the coolest thing ever. So I would write stories about like these teenagers in high school. I was writing YA, I guess, and didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. Will those stories ever come back to life to influence a book you write in the future? No, I don't think so. They were <laughs> But um, I still have a couple of them, which is pretty funny. I love that. And so now thinking about the premise of the book, one thing that was really neat was the back and forth point of view between Sarah and Debbie, the, the adult daughter and mother. Was your idea to always write that book, write this book in that way? Yeah, um, I definitely wanted And actually, I got the idea for the book when I was watching an episode of Hoarders. And it was the daughter, you know, they were interviewing the daughter who had come to help clean up. And I thought it was really interesting how her life specifically had been impacted by the hoarding. So I'd never really thought of it, I guess, in that way. And she had mentioned something like, oh, you know, my relationships and my friendships and my choice of job and all these different things had been shaped by her living in that sort of environment. And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting story, you know, to have a daughter. And so I knew like from the absolute beginning of the idea that it would be both the mother and daughter, because I think you need to see it from both sides. And that was I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask about that, the, you know, premise, underlying premise of the book really being about this hoarding. And so what did you have to do to learn more about So you watched this show that kind of influenced it. But then to really write a book from these perspectives, what did you do? So I actually have a friend whose mother is the hoarder. So I asked her a lot of questions. But I also had a few nonfiction books that I got on the topic that I thought were really helpful. And one of them, coincidentally, is called Stuff. And if you've read the book, the show that they go on is called Stuff. I had already called it that at the time. So I thought, oh, this is this is a sign that I need to read this book. But um, yeah, it's if you're at all interested in that topic, it's a really good book. And it's written by some psychologists who deal, you know, in that field and just like really dives into like the mindset 
of people who hoard and case studies, things like that. So that I think was helpful in getting into Debbie's mind. And there's also another book that was a memoir that a woman wrote who was a daughter of a hoarder that I read. So I kind of used those as background material. I think what I appreciated about that, right, because the the topic of hoarding is really a, a serious topic. And it's within this book that was, you know, had love stories in it and was funny. But I think what I appreciated was as you're talking about hoarding, there was a therapist involved. So that took it seriously. And even talking about throughout of really taking it seriously about what Debbie was going through and how her family was involved. But then it still ended up for me, at least it felt like this. I, I literally read the book at the beach. so. I felt like this is a light enough book that I can still enjoy it at the beach, but it still gave this important topic of hoarding its its own space. Yeah, I didn't want it to, because I have read, I read it when I was writing this, another book that was a women's fiction about hoarding. And that was definitely on the much more serious side. And I didn't want to, you know, make light of this subject, but I also didn't want it to feel like this heavy book and I think giving the royal aspect to it kind of lightened it up a bit as Debbie said she you know she's a clean hoarder you know she doesn't have dead kids around um so she was more I think holding on to things that brought her not even joy because some of them didn't bring her joy but reminded her of a time in her life that was very important to her um and she had them organized but in a terrible way so yeah. <laughs> and so going back to your acknowledgments, you also thank a special thanks go out to my friend, Nicole Lasorda, who is one of the first people I let read this book in its very rough state years ago. So I would love to hear about Nicole. Yeah. yeah so hi, Nicole, who's one of my really close friends. And I wrote my first book. It came out in actually when I'm talking to you today. Today is the eighth anniversary of my debut novel so congratulations yeah yeah it's about the legacy of us and that came out in 2015 and I started writing this you know shortly you know after that actually it was I had already I think finished this when it came out but the timeline was a little weird you know waiting in between contracts things like that but um when I started writing this I let her read you know the first pretty rough draft and she had done the same thing with my first novel um you know when I was just kind of doing this for fun and had no idea if it would ever be published so you know I said okay you can be the first person to read it again so it's always nice to have a friend who is a big reader and you know you can trust to read that and give you very honest feedback because I think some people are scared to give honest feedback but yeah I knew I could trust her with that so Thank you, Nicole. That's great. And you you also mentioned that your favorite, if this is in your bio, your favorite city is London. So tell me why, along with your, you know, your love of the royal family and everything related to it, what else do you love about the city? So I studied abroad in London and I had a book. Debbie also studies abroad in London and that's how she meets her husband eventually. But Debbie, I have go to the same school as me as a little shout out. Um, 
But yeah, I think when I moved there, I instantly felt, you know, like it was a place where I belonged, um, love the energy of the city and just the history. I think it's something that people in the United States, like we just don't have, you know, things like castles and there's a church from the 1200s right next to a skyscraper and, you know, all of these things that like, it's just not an option here. And I'd never experienced that before because, you know, growing up, I'd never left the country except to go to Canada once on a trip. So I had never seen any of these things before. And I think like Debbie, you know, you're young and out on your own for the first time and everything seems very exciting and magical. And, you know, when you're in a place where you're like, oh, I get it. Like, I feel like I belong here. I wanted to kind of play on that with her too, because leaving for her seemed like the worst thing that could possibly happen. And I mean, she does eventually leave, but not when she expects to. Um, so I did inject like a little bit of myself into that part just because I did love London so much and I was devastated when I had to leave. And that's funny. It brings me to also that when you're talking about injecting yourself into some of her. Are there any other characters that were influenced by real people in your life? No, not really. Although some of the names in the book were influenced by people on a show that I love. Uh, the Only Way is Essex, which is a British reality show. So, um, yeah, a few of the people in there and they live in Essex. So that was kind of my shoving that in there. <laughs> love it. And do you have a favorite um, paragraph or passage or page of the book that you can share with me? So I think my favorite chapter is when Debbie and Alan meet in London. And it's, you know, in the beginning of the book. But there's a part where they're at a pub, which is a real pub. It's called The Volunteer. And it's right near the school where I went. And also Debbie did. But um, I'm going to read this part because I think it's also kind of Relate it back to me. So, God, this is so depressing. I said out of nowhere. Alan's head turned abruptly. Pardon? Leaving this, I said, gesturing, gesturing around the room, is unbelievably depressing. Like, what's the point? I might as well just go home now. Why delay the inevitable? He laughed, touching my shoulder in the process. Come now. Can't be that bad at home. I thought of my parents, the rusted porch swing, the dog, a normal house, a normal family. No, it wasn't bad. It was worse. It was boring. I don't know. I suppose the first time I saw London, I felt like I was at home. Whether Alan was humoring me or not seemed unclear, but he listened intently anyway. Straight away, just like that. Maybe not at first, I guess. To be honest, at first when we left Heathrow, it looked kind of like New Jersey. New Jersey, he said, eyes growing to the size of saucers and nearly spitting out his Guinness. Home of Bruce Springsteen? Ended there. <laughs> I love it. And as a person being from New Jersey, I appreciated that part as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually did think that it looked like New Jersey when I left Heathrow for the first time. So I had to throw that in there. <laughs> did you really? I did. <laughs> I love it. And how often do you go back to London? Usually once or twice a year. Um, it depends on what's going on. I've been there quite a lot recently. Just I was over for the coronation and that was very exciting, of course. And then I went at Christmas time with my husband and my son. And then I was there for the Jubilee last year for the Queen. So I've been kind of every six months and that's not really the norm. So now, yeah, I'm in a little bit of a lull after all the big events. 
And are you working on another book? I am. So I actually finished it. So it's in, you know, a revision stage at the moment, but it's not under contract yet. So no news on that at the moment, but I will be, and I haven't actually shared this publicly yet, but I will be um, self-publishing my first novel because I got the rights back to it very recently. So that will be a new edition that'll be coming out in the fall. So I'm excited about that. That's very exciting. Yeah. And do you feel like when you think about the, the types of books you're writing, that they're within the same genre or that you're exploring other ones as well? So the book I just finished is actually contemporary romance, more so than women's fiction. So that's exciting to kind of explore that. And, um, you know, a new perspective. I've actually written a male perspective in this book, which, you know, I hadn't really done before. So, um, yeah, I think it's always fun to try something new. What was that experience like writing from a male perspective? It was interesting. It wasn't, I think, as hard as I thought, because at first I was a little intimidated by doing that because I had only written, you know, from female POVs. But yeah, I actually enjoyed doing it. And I did write a novella that came um, earlier this year in a royal anthology. And I did do a male POV on that one, too. So I think it's, yeah, it's fun and it's different. And sometimes I've had to ask, you know, either my husband or, you know, someone like, would you say this? Or does this sound like something a guy would say? I love that. So he gets to be involved in this one. <laughs> and what kind of books do you read? I read a lot of historical fiction. I really enjoy historical fiction, um, especially if it's royal related. I did run a royal book club for I think five years um, on Facebook and we kind of shut it down recently just because it was a lot of work and grew quite a lot unexpectedly. But yeah, I love any books, you know, especially women's fiction romance that have a royal theme in them. And I do, if I listen to an audiobook, it's usually nonfiction because I, I find it a little bit harder to listen to fiction on audio, but I like, you know, memoirs and things like that on audio. I do a lot of that. That's great. And will you be writing again about about topics related to the royal family? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's kind of become a little bit of my brand. So I'll definitely pursue that. The book that I just finished, it's not royal per se, but it has an aristocratic um, bent to it. So it's in that same general thing and takes place in the UK. So planning to do another, I guess, a sequel to that book when I'm done the revisions. And yeah, I'm excited. That's very exciting. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was great to get to know you and dig into your acknowledgments. And we'll be looking out for your next book. Thank you. Thanks for getting curious about the acknowledgments. And remember to read from cover to cover. Check out the acknowledgments on Facebook, Instagram, or theacknowledgments.com. There you'll find more information on the books and authors that I talk about here.